0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: Off the heels of the 4th of July, let's talk about some Patriots football. Greg, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Fastest, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Let's talk power rankings in the NFL, Greg. You take a look across the league. We'll look at how pro football focus feels about these teams. We'll talk about how you feel about these teams. Let's first start off with the Patriots. The Patriots are ranked 19th. Too high, too low, or just about right, Greg?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I have the Patriots at 19, and I have them in a group, which basically I I categorized as a lot needs to go right. And I had some other categories. I had you know still building, languishing, sort of like no man's land type of guys a lot needs to go right. Not quite there. And then true contenders. And I had Patriots, you know, in the group with a lot needs to go right. And I had, you know, some, I had them there with some good teams like the Cardinals, the Titans, um, you know, the Saints are a bit of a question mark, the Dolphins and the Browns. Um, They were all sort of in the same grouping. Um, You know, I, I just think there are too many question marks on the Patriots. A lot of those that we've talked about um, for a long time for me to really see them any higher than that. I thought they've been about middle of the road, a little bit under, I mean, throughout sort of the off season and seeing what they've done and not done. And, and um, you know, they're counting on a lot of things, including like, I, you know, there are a lot of things that I feel... Um, good about or I have some optimism on the team along with I think they'll find enough at cornerback but I still think that's a big question mark I think they'll I'm worried about the offensive line but I assume they'll figure it out at some point Uh, I do think Mac Jones will be better in year two and you know something we might talk about like Mac Jones all of a sudden like looking really buff even though I don't know with internet pictures (laughs) I'm not sure whether to believe him or not or was that like a Marvel superhero super I don't know I don't know but he's looking buff whatever it is And, uh, you know, but there are some real concerns about this team, including the coaching and and how they're going to take sort of the next step. So I sort of see them in the middle of the road and, you know, could they jump up into the not quite there yet category? Yeah, sure. They they could do that. But at this point in time, Nick, and I don't know how you feel about it, but there are just too many key questions about this team, too much left to be seen and proven before I can really. Uh, you know, believe that they're going to uh, take a definitely take a step up this season?
1: Yeah, I don't think you put this team in the top 10 because there's just too many questions, as you mentioned, especially with the, the coaching. We have to see how all that comes together under Belichick. So I think ranking them in the top 10 would be too high. So then you start to look at some other teams. And you mentioned some of these, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns, what happens with Deshaun Watson and, and that big question. The Dolphins, Tua Valoa. is he a legitimate NFL quarterback? He has to prove it this year. If he doesn't, uh uh-oh. The Cardinals, you know, they look like monsters in the first half all the time of the season and then all of a sudden fall off the cliff in the second half. You know, how is that going to play out? Uh, So there's a lot of different teams that you can kind of mix and match in the middle of the pack and, and all of them have similarities and the similarities are the questions. You know, you go into a season and you have a handful of questions or so about a football team. They're usually ranked in the middle of the pack. If it goes beyond that, then you start to slide down into the 20s. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 15, 16, somewhere in that area feels right for the Patriots. And they have a chance. You mentioned this. They have a chance to climb up for sure. If Mac Jones takes Mm -hmm. that big step in his second season, if they can answer the cornerback question, if they can find a second linebacker aside from Bentley who does well, but most of all, as we've talked about the trenches, does that offensive line stay healthy? Do they get what they should have gotten or expected to get out of Chow last year? Do they get it this year? If they can really solidify the trenches and win me over there, then I feel pretty good about this team being better than people expect. But until I see that play out, I can't project them to do that. I just, I just can't do it. So I think in the middle of the pack makes a lot of sense. Let's take a look at your top five. And we'll start with uh, the fifth team here, Greg. We've got the uh, Chargers. The Chargers, of course, uh, they have a lot of talent led by Justin Herbert. Dude is a stud at quarterback. Why do you have them at five?
0: So I think that uh, the GM there did a tremendous job of sort of plugging their holes. And they they have... They've had offensive line issues. They couldn't stop the run worth a damn last year. Now, you know, they are putting a lot into Sebastian Joseph Day, who's a good player. Um, They're still thin beyond him on the defensive interior, but they added Khalil Mack to go on the opposite side of Joey Bosa. Now, Mack isn't the same guy that he used to be, but with a better surrounding cast and a guy like Joey Bosa, um, you know, taking a lot of uh, attention away. That should make him even better. I mean, it's very similar to like Bond Miller going to, uh, you know, whether he was in L.A. last year with Aaron Donald or, you know, now he's in Buffalo. You know, they have Rousseau and some other guys that sort of can take attention away, and those aging sort of pass rushers can still get the job done with a better soror- supporting cast, and I think they can do that. You know, to me, I still worry a little bit about their offensive line and um, – But to me, Nick, and I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, this is going to be a total indictment one way or the other. It's going to be a judgment on Brandon Staley as a head coach. Uh, I thought that at times he was overwhelmed last year. I think that uh, sometimes he makes decisions just to prove how smart he is and it's not in the best interest of the team. And maybe last year he had built in excuses about. Uh, you know, we needed to go for, for this reason, you know, we're short here, we're short there, what have you. But now the way they are right now and fully healthy and with Justin Herbert, who I still think, look, I think the world of Justin Herbert, I was dead wrong on him coming out of college. He's spectacular. Now he hasn't won a playoff game yet. He hasn't won much of anything. So I think he still needs to prove that. I think he's fully capable. I think it's been the surrounding cast, but they have a complete team. Can Brandon Staley, push the right buttons at the right time, be the right type of head coach for this team to match the talent level. I think there are huge questions about that. And so I don't, do I feel great about having them at number five? No, but I'm going on talent and thinking like, okay, they'll get enough from Staley. But I I do think that's a question.
1: Yeah. The good and bad of Brandon Staley. Look, I, I said this during the season last year, I appreciate that he has his philosophy and he stands by it, right? He he stands by being yep. uber aggressive, but that does not give you the license to make awful, terrible, stupid decisions. And in that final game against the Ray, I mean, what are we doing? You want to talk mm-hmm. about just awful decisions. I like your aggressiveness. I like that you stand in front of the media and you answer the questions and you say, no, this is what we do and this is why we do it but there are instances that you just can't always push the gas pedal. And maybe he learned that last year. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's going to be stubborn. Like you said, maybe he's trying to prove to everybody that he is the smartest guy in the room. This roster is loaded. I mean, they've got so much talent on this roster, mm-hmm. especially defensively talent wise. You can argue, you know, obviously top five, like you are no doubt about that. When you look at the roster, uh the interesting part about this and we'll continue the conversation as we get into some other teams here in your top 5 but the AFC man and that's another reason why you could look mm-hmm. at the Patriots being like in the middle of the pack the AFC is so freaking deep the AFC West is so ridiculous mm-hmm. it's going to be tough for you know these AFC teams to win 12 games this year you know going 12 and 5 in this conference you want to throw a parade i mean it's it's yep. going to be a very difficult challenging season especially in the AFC West which leads us to our fourth team because you've got two teams in your top five out of that division and the fourth team on your power rankings Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs
0: yeah and number six is the Broncos (laughs) so three (laughs) AFC West teams in a row in the top six uh yeah I have the Chiefs at number four um you know they they obviously have some losses they lost Tyreek Hill Um, They've always been a little bit thin on the pass rush and I, you know, I, they lost uh, honey badger in the secondary. So they've had some losses, but I do think there's enough there and they've, you know, brought in enough pieces that they'll be fine and they will definitely compete. My question is how good is Patrick Mahomes now? Um, Because, Mm. I don't. Ever since his foot injury two years ago, in the middle of the season two years ago, I don't think he's been the same quarterback. I think he's fallen into very bad habits. I don't think he played well uh, in the playoffs last year. You know, they they were lucky to emerge against the Bills with a victory. Uh, they should have lost that game. I think that Mahomes has fallen into some terrible mechanical habits. He doesn't stay with the play anymore. He's freelancing a little bit too much, sort of like Russell Wilson at times in his career. And I, I just think and, – and it's always going to be a balance, and we've talked about it before. The guys who are athletic and who can make plays off schedule, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, guys like that, how do you balance being, uh, you know, a pocket quarterback and making plays? And sometimes it's, it's a very fine line, and sometimes it's to the detriment of their team. And I think last year I thought, I thought Mahomes was too quick to leave the pocket and didn't stay with plays long enough. And I thought it hurt his team at times. But, I, you know, observing Patrick Mahomes over his young career, he's the type of guy who's not going to rest on his laurels, who's going to realize his shortcomings from last year, I would hope. And if he he revamps himself and is back to pre-injury Patrick Mahomes, then the sky's the limit for this team. But until I know that he's back to his old self, um, I have questions about the ceiling for this Chiefs team.
1: I thought he was better in the second half last year than he was in the first half. I I thought he was very careless in the first half. And he, he had a stretch of games, three or four games where he just wasn't good, which was kind of crazy because he's Patrick Mahomes and, you know, to see him struggle the way he did, everybody was kind of looking at last year in a vacuum in that first half. I never did. If you go back, Greg, and I know some of these statistics can get weird and all of that, but When you go back to the year before, right, the year prior, you you look at 2020. I think Mahomes led the league in passes that should have been picked. I I think he threw like 13 or 14 passes that should have been picked, and they they were just dropped, like hitting dudes in the chest. So when you go back to 2020, you're right. You know, that, that foot injury and all of that, you need to go back to two years ago. And he made a lot of mistakes and got away with them two years ago. The beginning of last year, he wasn't getting away with those mistakes. Guys were picking him off, and the numbers were showing it. So uh, I thought people were reacting to the numbers instead of the play. He struggled for for a decent stretch there. With that said, Mm -hmm. I I do think he got better in the second half. What fascinates me about this team is offensively, you trade Tyreek Hill, and and Hill is so unique to this offense and what he can do. And you talked about it, Greg, the ability to extend the play by Mahomes he and Hill were almost always on the same page where if something broke down, if you give Hill enough time, he's going to find the right spot in the defense. He's going to make a play. Do they have that guy? You know, Marquez Valdez Scantling never really reached his ceiling in green Bay. You've got McCall Hardman. Who's never really proven, you know, a lot of people were high on him when he came out in the second round a few years ago, he really hasn't been that guy. Juju Smith Schuster is somebody who's, You know, he's a possession receiver now. He's not necessarily the big play kind of guy. Josh Gordon, I mean, come on. We'll see if he's actually on the field. And then Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey, I think, what, he's going to be 33? So is Kelsey going to start to slow down? There are some questions about that offense. And defensively, they need to hit on the draft. Like, if they hit on the draft, then they'll be good. Because the two big things that this team has needed defensively is a second pass rusher. And a cornerback, another cornerback. And they drafted McDuffie. They drafted Carl Eftis, And so they've got those two guys. If, if those two guys work out. And if got Sky Moore. Moore. And Sky Moore. If, you, you know, you've got McDuffie on the outside uh, to help out with Sneed, who's good. And then they brought in, you know, Justin Reed to uh, replace the Honey Badger. We'll see if that works out for them. But Karloftis is going to be big because Frank Clark comes and goes. Sometimes he looks like a monster. Sometimes he disappears. They need Karloftis to make an impact almost right away. So yep. they need to hit on that draft and they need to make sure that they can somehow, some way, put together an offensive plan that will give production to, to Mahomes in that passing game without Hill. And the other question, of course, is their running game. You know, Andy just does not run the football enough. He doesn't love running the football. Uh, he bails away from it even when it's working. They brought in, you know, Ronald Jones. They've got two decent backs with Jones and CEH out there, uh, Edwards Alaire. But, uh, you know, they just – he does not – Andy Reid, he, he doesn't commit to the run. And so, at times, I think that's a weakness. If he commits to the run when it's working, that would also help out Mahomes. All right, let's jump to the uh, third team. And, uh, of course, everybody's going to know about this football team in New England. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, TB12 is back for maybe one more year. You get the Bucs at three, Greg.
0: Yeah, I I mean, you look at their healthy starting lineup, and it's as good as anybody's in the game, you know, across the board from, you know, receivers, offensive line, you know, you, some question marks at like left guard. You know, you're hoping Kadecky, the rookie, can step in there. Um, you know, a little thin at uh, tight end, I would say, uh, and in the backfield, but I think their secondary is, uh, unbelievable. You're looking at, you know, Vita Veya and Akeem Hicks in the middle of their defensive line. If healthy, they're sort of like my dream Patriots scenario inside England. So bad.
1: I wanted Hicks back.
0: Yeah. And they have, you know, they have Logan Hall that they drafted. Who's a, who's a darn good, looks like a, a good young player on film so he could help out there but you know I think I think the big questions for this team are can Brady still play at the at this level at this high level uh at least he has a good supporting cast he doesn't need to do everything himself uh so that will help him but also you know the coaching change um you know is is uh is Todd Bowles up to the challenge is Byron Leftwich ready to do the whole offense himself you know of course Brady's going to have a huge input but You know, when you look at them right now and they ran into injury problems last year. So, you know, that that is definitely on the table. They're a little thin, but uh, if they stay healthy, this is one of the best one of the best rosters in the league.
1: Yeah, they're deep. I mean, I just love their linebacker core. When we talk about what we wanted to see out of the Patriots and the Patriots are like slowly but surely getting there. Uh, not at a talent level, but at least on a philosophical level of having athletes at linebacker. I mean, Levante David and Devin White, that that one-two combination, if you watch them late in the season in the playoffs, those guys consistently making plays sideline to sideline, and they just shut some run games down. They, they shut some of those easy passes underneath where you might get you know six, seven, eight yards. You might get three yards because those guys are just so quick. And, you know, you got Shaq Barrett out there. Uh, they, they, are, they are very, very talented on the, on the front line um, of this roster. Like you said, you know, the depth, some questions, and I think offensive line-wise, they have to stay healthy. If they have any issues on the O-line with health, they're going to run into trouble pretty quickly. Uh, they have to stay healthy on the offensive line. If they do, they're as dangerous as anybody. Uh, team number two, Super Bowl champion, Matthew Stafford and the la rams greg you don't have them at one you have them at two
0: yeah i just worry about the super bowl hangover a little bit and it's 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 hard to climb that mountain um again and, you know look at the buccaneers last year you know at, at this time last year i was talking about them possibly going undefeated which if when you looked at their schedule you thought they were going to threaten that and then you know things you know sort of happened. but i think you know, they don't have Odell Beckham, but now they have Allen Robinson to go along with Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup and, you know, Tyler Higby. The offensive line uh, has always been a little bit shaky. It seems like McVay's always been able to scheme away from that. And plus, you know, with his offense, they get the ball out quickly from Stafford. Um, you know, the defense, you worry about their pass rush without Vaughn Miller. Do they have enough Um you know around Aaron Donald to keep the heat off him, they bring in Bobby Wagner how much does he really have left how much does he help them I, you know I don't think that's that's for sure I love their secondary I think their secondary is really good but I mean if, if they can get everyone to buy in again it, it's hard not to like the Rams you know being there one of the top teams at the end
1: just tells you how difficult it is to go back to back in the NFL. The last time we saw it was the Patriots 0304 like this. It it is so difficult, as you said, Greg, to climb that mountain again. And we get into these cliches, but cliches exist because they're mostly true, right? They pretty much are. And and we talk about, you know, battle of attrition, but especially given a 17 game season and now only one team gets the buy. I feel like repeating is that much more difficult given those circumstances. Good point. And so I just think it's, it is going to be tough for them to get back. Uh, you hit the questions. You hit the strengths. Uh, I would agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, you know, you, you've got to look at Stafford and say you know, he, he proved a lot of people wrong last year. He's always been one of my top 10 or 12 quarterbacks in the league. I always thought he was talented. He was stuck in Detroit. With not a lot of talent around him, Uh, obviously Whitworth moves on. He retires, but Noteboom played really well uh, when he was out last year. So I don't think they're going to have a significant drop off at left tackle. And I think they're talented enough, and I think McVay's a good enough coach. They'll be in the hunt again. All right. So if the Rams aren't the number one team, if the Chiefs aren't the number one team, if the Bucks aren't the number one team, I'm gonna tell you right now the Packers are not the number one team. Who is Greg's number one team before he tells you? who he has atop his list. He wants to tell you about betonline.ag. Our
0: partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including Major League Baseball. You know, you have NBA futures, NHL futures, How about Cam McCarr and those avalanche you have, you know, I'm sure there's more fighting. Nick was all up into the fighting this weekend, you know, all (laughs) that stuff, MMA going on a bunch of, I I don't know. I saw a bunch of stuff on Twitter. I guess it was pretty good. Wasn't it?
1: Uh, The card wasn't as good as it should have been. It wasn't as, it wasn't as good as I had hoped, but yeah, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website and use your or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts.
1: All right, so the number one team. Greg Bedard's power rankings, the Buffalo Bills.
0: The Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it pained me a little to say it, but I mean, you know, look, I I don't think they have a flawless roster. I think you could make an argument that um, some of the other teams, including, um, you know, the Rams and the Bucks, and maybe even the Chargers have better frontline talent, don't have as many roster question marks as the Bills, but... You know, I just think they're they're really good. I mean, bringing in Jamison Crowder to fill out, they got Khalil Shaker in the draft as sort of a replacement for uh, Beasley, who's gone. You question the right side of their line, Ryan Bates, Spencer Brown. Uh, I, I thought Brown was okay last year at right tackle. I think he will be even better this year, but I do think there's questions there. Um, I love their defensive line. They bring Vaughn Miller in. You figure out between... Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epineza, you know, who's going to be on the opposite side opposite him? But they have Ed Oliver, Taquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle. Those guys are really good against the run. I don't love their linebackers. And I do think the big question mark for the Bills, and this will go hand in hand with the Patriots, because the Patriots could have had Kair Elam at cornerback at 21, traded down. Bills traded up, took him at 22. Now he's their starting cornerback. Um, Could he shift the balance of power and make the Bills even better this year? We'll see. Tredavious White is coming back from injury. How good is he going to be? So I think their their big question marks are at cornerback, similar to the Patriots. But I think Josh Allen, there has to be, for this group, there has to be just this insatiable hunger this year. That usually works really well after what happened last year, what they've been building to. If they don't do it now, they're never going to do it. And Josh Allen, everybody knows how I felt about Josh Allen over the years. I think I've been highly accurate in how I've rated him. And I thought the last five or six games of last year, plus the playoffs, I thought he went to another level in terms of what he's doing. There is one big weakness in the bills are one huge question mark that we will keep for the members question cuz some members rightfully qu- called me out on this and we'll address that in a bit but if it's not the bills year i don't know if it's ever going to be their year this year
1: feels that way you know after what happened in the playoffs last year like you said that's going to be a big motivation they've yeah. got to make yeah. sure that they've got to be totally focused which i think they will be and and some of the biggest questions that they had on this roster two of the biggest questions running back and cornerback, that second guy, uh, along with white, as you mentioned, they bring in Elam. So they've got to hit with that pick. And they also brought in James cook. They drafted cook in the second round of the draft to be, you know, Devin Singletary's running mate back there. They did not get enough out of Zach Moss uh, like they expected to get out of him. So the, the run game hasn't been as productive as they want it to be. If cook could be that element in the backfield, It makes their offense that much better and that much tougher. And yeah, I mean, they're the favorites right now. If you look in a lot of books, uh, they're the favorites. So it'll be it'll be a fascinating season to see if they can. You know, everybody is now talking about them. You feel like they've taken the step over the Chiefs and some of the other teams that we discuss all the time, right? It's also fascinating, I would say, that the team that got to the Super Bowl last year out of the AFC. Just wondering. Uh, They're not in your top five. Where do you have Cincinnati, Greg? Because a lot of people would say, wait a minute, Greg. Cincinnati got to the Super Bowl last year with a very mediocre, if not bad offensive line. They've addressed the offensive line. Where do you put Cincy?
0: I have the Cincinnati Bengals number 10, uh, right below the San Francisco 49ers at nine. I just think, you know, I, I can't get past the fact that if Ryan Tannehill didn't choke in that playoff game. The Bengals would have been a fart in the wind. They would have been one and done. Nobody would be talking about them. Like, you know, let's give them credit. They knocked off the Chiefs in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that that was a bit of a mirage. I think that you look at the history of Super Bowl losers outside of the Patriots a few years ago, it is not very good at all. I think that, yes, they've addressed the offensive line. But are they really all that good? I mean, when Ted, Car- when you're giving Ted Karras, and I love Teddy Karras, and it'll be a good, solid player for them. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to make a difference? Are these guys, is it really going to be that much better? How's the defense? I think they're very iffy in the secondary for the Bengals. And I think that they got lucky. People also forget what happened in the AFC North last year. I mean, the, the the Ravens between injuries and COVID just completely fell apart. The Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger was like a corpse playing quarterback. And then the Browns <laughs> had all sorts of COVID and injury issues. And the Bengals basically, you know, got out of there, won the division just because they didn't get COVID as much and didn't have as many injuries. That's the only reason. That last year was a unicorn season for them, at least. This semblance of the Bengals, I do you know I think the world of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and I think they'll be good you know going forward. But I think people are way overrating what they did last year. They're more like you know one of those uh, like Dirty Bird Falcons teams or San Diego Chargers who all of a sudden make this surprise run from the Super Bowl and aren't here heard from for another five to
1: ten years. That's that's where I think the Bengals are. That division is really funky, man. Like you just talked about, Cincy what's going to happen with Cleveland. You know, I think everybody at this point expects some heavy suspension of Deshaun Watson, whether it's a sin, whether it's indefinite, I think he's going to be out for quite some time. They have Jacoby Brissett who would be their starting quarterback because I don't think Baker's going back there. He was asked about that a week or so ago (laughs) and he was, I think it's pretty much dead between us. So I don't see that happening. Baltimore is always a team that fascinates me because, you know, I think they put too much on Lamar Jackson And I think Greg Roman has been incredibly stubborn when it comes to what they do offensively. And they did not add at wide receiver. Really. They didn't do much of anything at wide receiver. So Jackson is, you know, he's not on a contract extension. He's got his mom and other people representing him. There's been some weirdness about his contract negotiation where that goes. And then Pittsburgh, you got Mitchell Trubisky. What, What the hell do you expect from that guy? I don't know. I have no idea. So, uh, that division again is 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 fascinating to me. The AFC North. I, I don't know what's going to come about uh, in that division. Well, another question I have for you about the uh, about your rankings, Greg. You mentioned the Dolphins are kind of around the Patriots. Did you have the Dolphins ranked ahead of the Patriots or below the Patriots?
0: So I had the, the Patriots are at 19. I had the Dolphins at 16. And you know, oh. I just think. I just think the Dolphins are – I think they're very talented. I think their roster is better than the Patriots. But the big question mark is the head coach and the quarterback. I mean, yep. you know, who knows? I mean, they could go one way or the other. I mean, it could be – they Mike McDaniel and, and Tua It could make tremendous music together. Or it could just not work. I don't know. I just think that Shanahan scheme with Tua and the talent there and they got the type of guys where – just pitched the ball out to Tyreek Hill and he makes a big play. And, you know, they have a ton of weapons. They have a pretty decent running game. They revamped the offensive line. The secondary is awesome on that team. I don't know if they have m- uh, enough pass rush, but the pieces are there. It's just we have no idea what kind of head coach Mike McDaniel is going to be. I just think I just rank them ahead just because of the talent, pure talent. I could be wrong because, hell, it's the Dolphins. When, do any, when does anything go right for the Dolphins?
1: I would lean Patriots over Dolphins. Uh, I don't think it's a significant margin, but I I would lean towards New England because of the things you brought up. I just believe in Mac Jones a heck of a lot more than I believe in Tua. And I have no idea what McDaniel's going to do as head coach. And I kind of trust Bill Belichick, the goat. So I I would lean towards the Patriots. Uh, One last one for you. Uh, The team that kind of sticks out in my mind, because it's, it's been fascinating. Actually, you know what? I've got two more questions for you. Where do you have, where, where do you have green Bay?
0: So Green Bay was – I sort of waffled on them going back and forth, and I actually had them as at number eight as a true contender. There's, I have eight teams as true contenders, and, I, and I, I had them right around the eight to ten range. And, you know, you look at the roster and you think – you think the defense could be really good. Like at all three levels, they have impact players that could be really good. Obviously, yep. they lost Devontae Adams, didn't replace him with much at all. The offensive line, you look at it and you're just like, I don't know how that's going to work either. But it just reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, the, 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 the later Patriots teams with Tom Brady, where it's like, all right, the offensive line is, you know, pretty good. You know, we'll see. Not much to, for Tom to throw to. Pretty good defense. And that's the way they won. They won that Super Bowl in 2018, sort of that way with the running game. And I see this very similar, and it's just, can Aaron Rodgers do what Tom Brady did? I have some doubts on whether he can do that and, and shoulder the load at his age and be able to do that. But I just think I just think Rodgers will be able to figure it out on offense, and I think the defense is going to be that good. I just think, and plus the division that they play in, I think they'll be artificially propped up a little bit, but I do think they'll be pretty good.
1: Last one for you as far as your rankings go. You just said you've got eight contenders how many of those are from the AFC? How many from the NFC?
0: So from the AFC, I have the Ravens, Broncos, Chargers, Chiefs, and Bills. So five. what is that? Six teams? Five teams? One, I think five, two, right? Three, four, five. Yep. Five from the AFC and three from the NFC. So interesting.
1: Interesting. Five, five and three. Uh, before we get to the uh, question of the day, I just want to kind of veer off another path here and, and, and Greg... Uh, you, you wanted me to to bring up a couple of things here in, in cattle's corner, so to speak, on this podcast. Yeah. And I feel like you know we talked about the Celtics towards the tail end of their run on this podcast. Just kind of your thoughts. I, I want to know how you feel about the uh, Malcolm Brogdon Danilo Gallinari editions. You feeling that? Yeah. Now, uh, just to preface
0: this, I've been um, out of the country in Montreal coaching softball over the weekend That's and, cool. and you know, yeah, and, and sightseeing a lot more than I thought I would. So I haven't I have kept tabs. I haven't really dove into anything and t- as far as, you know, the numbers. And I'm sure you guys have like net ratings and stuff like that. But I will say uh, I really like what Brad's. Stevens has done. I mean, I think that Brogdon's the type of guy. It'll be interesting to see how the mix goes with Marcus Smart and and I don't know if there's any whispers about like, does this mean he's on his way out or what I I I don't know. But I but I like Brogdon as sort of a guy who can create and you know really help out the offense. And and uh, you know, I think the shooting uh you know that 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 they inputted I think can only help. I mean, I really like Seem like they, they attacked the weaknesses on this team, or at least to make them a little bit more well-rounded, and I really like what they've done. I assume you, you did.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, Brad Stevens has been really good at his new job. I mean, yep. I think you, look, you go back to his first trade with the Horford-Kemba thing. That worked out perfectly. Uh, he brings in Derek White at the trading deadline. Some people will be upset about that pick in, like, 2028 when they can swap, because what will the Celtics look at like at that point? But Derek White helped them get to the finals. There's no doubt about that. Uh, did he tail off? Yeah, he tailed off. But without Derek White, I don't think you get to game six of the NBA Finals. So that was a, a good move, I thought. And I, I like Gallinari as a depth piece, as like the ninth or tenth guy in this rotation, somebody who can play the three, four and knock down shots for you, which was, you know, desperately needed. I think Gallo's a better passer than people give him credit for. Uh, he's not a very good defender, but when you have the pieces that they have, you can get away with one guy who doesn't defend that well. You can survive that. And for Brogdon, I mean, my goodness, uh, of course, everybody will bring up the health. And that's that's a significant concern. It's it's the one caveat to this trade, which is, you know, if if he doesn't stay healthy, then what do you. But honestly, you didn't give up anything. You gave up Tysh, You gave up Neesmith. You gave up a top 12 protected pick. And if the Celtics do what a lot of people think they'll do, that pick will be in the mid to late 20s if not 30 Uh, so you didn't give up anything. And, and Brogdon is a perfect fit. He's the playmaker. He's a guy who, who is incredibly efficient out of the pick and roll. They can run pick and roll offense with Malcolm Brogdon all day long with Tatum and and Jalen Brown and drive teams crazy. I could see Brogdon with, with the pick and and roll with, with Rob Williams and a bunch of, you know, alley-oop dunks when they're in the game together, he's somebody who shot, you know, 42% in his career, catch and shoot threes. Again, if you're gonna have Tatum and Brown and some other guys create at times, Brogdon's one of those dudes that you can't leave. And that's vitally important. They can space the floor a little bit better with him. In defense, he's six foot five. He can defend probably one through three on the floor. He's a really good defender. So I mean, he he just really does check all the boxes, as they say. I I know that they came out and quickly, quickly leaked out. Uh, that Marcus smart is still going to be the starting point guard of this team. Mark Murphy tweeted that right after the trade saying, Nope, Marcus smart's going to be the starting guard. And uh, apparently Ime and and Brad still want to roll with the double big lineup of Horford and Williams. But I do think, you know, people are, if you look at the minutes, Horford's going to probably play, I would guess 20 to 25 minutes this year. Like he's going to be 36. You want to try to save his gas tank for later in the season he might not play back to backs, which makes Gallinari that much more important. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think you look at Rob Williams. I don't think you can play the Time Lord 35 minutes a night because of his injury history. So really the only spot on this team that I see that needs to be addressed immediately is backup center because of Rob's minutes. But you can also tinker with that because you can play Al at the five. You can play Gallo at the four. You can play Tatum at the four. You can play Horford at the five. So. You can play Grant Williams, small ball five. So you can kind of mix and match as well. They just have a very, very versatile group with a bunch of good defenders. And, and now they've improved the shooting. So they, along with the Milwaukee Bucks right now in Vegas, are the favorites to win the title as of right now, mm-hmm. which, of course, will lead us to the whole Kevin Durant thing. And, you know, I, I did want to ask you before we move on. The Celtics have the pieces, Greg. To, to make this trade, if Brad Stevens wanted to make this trade, Jalen Brown, in, in my assessment of looking around the league, he's one of the top, probably two or three guys that would be available to the Nets in, in a trade. So if you were Brad Stevens, would you trade Jalen Brown in pieces for Kevin Durant? Durant has four years on his contract, by the way. Ooh, boy, <laughs> that is a tough, loaded
0: question right there. Uh, so my my initial thoughts are, holy man, that's tough. Um, my initial thought is no. I think that you know, I think that the the Celtics showed that they have the potential. They have to grow into it. I think that Jalen Brown is the type of guy who I've always been impressed with. That you know, we all know his you know ball handling had issues in the postseason. I'm sure he'll attack that offseason I'm sure he'll be much better for it I know Tatum I'm guessing will be much better and learn from the postseason experience and you know hopefully Rob Williams stays healthy and this isn't like a long-term degenerative knee type of thing that takes him out of it I I like the group as is the only guy I would subtract is Marcus Smart I'm sorry I just I think he gets in the way too too often Uh, but outside of that, no, I'm keeping the group together. Durant, his body type, his age. I don't know if he's ever going to stay healthy. I don't think he was healthy in the playoff series against the Celtics. I I just think it's, I think you're asking a little bit too much and, and I don't want to, I don't want to break up the core.
1: It's so tempting. It is. Cause I mean, the other side of that to play devil's advocate is, you know, Kevin Durant is still seen as a top five or six player on the planet. And I honestly don't think there is a team that could stop Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant. I don't I don't think there is any team on the planet right now that is, you know, you might argue possibly Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could possibly, uh, you know, defend them as good as anybody. But man, a Durant and Tatum one two combination is, I think, just incredibly deadly. Uh, offensively. And they're, they're both really good defenders too. And Durant's a really good playmaker, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and you look at that and you say, well, Durant's four years, his contract. The the one thing that I think none of us know that would, that plays a big time role in all of this, Jalen Brown's intentions. Uh, He's coming up on free agency in two years. Zach Lowe at ESPN said that, you know, kind of the, the word around the league is that Jalen really wants to test unrestricted free agency. If mm-hmm. you feel like Brown could leave, you know, does he, does he still like, does Jalen want to be the number two guy for the next 10 years? Or does he want to go and, and prove to the world that he can be a number one guy on a good team? Uh, he's had, you know, a lot, he's had comments about the Boston media and, you know, some of the Boston fans on Twitter, you know, he liked the tweet about everybody's trying to trade Jalen Brown or if Celtics fans don't respect Jalen Brown enough. And he kind of liked the tweet. So there there are some questions if Brown wants to be here long term. So I think that is something that Stevens and may have to talk about. Because if you think yeah. Brown is if he's a flight risk, then I think he make this deal. Um, you know, if 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 you feel like it's more likely than not that he's going to leave, then you have to look at this. Now, if it was me right now, I think I lean towards keeping the core intact and seeing if you can win a championship this year. And then, you know, you kind of go to Jalen Brown. You have conversations with him once this season is over because he would have one year left on his contract. The the, the final thing I'll say about the Brogdon trade, because I think it links in with all of this. What Brad did was very smart because not only does it improve the team right now and make them title favorites, according to Vegas. And we'll see, you know, if Durant goes to Phoenix, that will change the math. But right now, you know, they're seen as the favorites with the bucks long-term. It also makes a lot of sense. And I'll tell you why, because if, if Jalen Brown is going to leave, let, let's say you get through this season, whatever happens, happens next year, you get into next summer and you know, that Brown is likely going to leave. Well, now you have other contracts and talent to put with Brown to pivot and bring in another big name. So, Let's say Zach Levine doesn't work out in Chicago. Let's say Bradley Beal doesn't work out in Washington. You get in the next off season and those are just two names. You can come up with a bunch of other names, but now you can combine the contracts of Jalen Brown and Marcus smart or Jalen Brown and Derek white or Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon. You can combine those contracts with a couple of picks and quickly pivot and bring in another stud. So if you lose Brown, you can quickly replace him with somebody as good, if not better. So, The the contracts that they have, and I think they'll also sign Grant Williams to an extension, they're going to have five or six contracts that are in the double digits per season, which makes it very, very easy to then pivot and make that move. So I think that's another piece of of that trade that not a lot of people have have talked about enough. It gives them some flexibility moving into the future as well as making them better right now. Uh, One last thing that I want to ask you about before we move to the uh, member question of the day. Bruins they have a new head coach Jim Montgomery I know you're a hockey guy uh any thoughts on Montgomery replacing Bruce Cassidy not not a ton
0: I mean everybody knows I'm I'm team Bruce and I I hated that they got rid of Bruce because I thought he was a great coach and and you know tough love uh, you know I just – my main comment about the Bruins is, you know, and and I'm just getting back into it, so I don't know what's real or just perceived, but there's been, you know, some mentions about Krejci maybe coming back. DeBrus reportedly rescinded his trade offer. Bergeron is now back, you know, now that Cassidy's gone. And I'm just very disappointed in the direction of the Bruins. I think that uh, they're just – it looks like they are whiny and entitled and didn't like being called out and this and that. And also like, look, I can understand that and it's a different generation of players and I understand that, but what I'm disappointed in is the front office and that they're basically buying into the holes, Harry Sinden, Jacobs thing. Hey, just make the playoffs every year and you can keep your job type of thing. I mean, Really, David Krejci? I mean, did you watch the Stanley Cup Finals? Did you watch the Colorado Avalanche and all the young talent that they have on their team? Did you watch the Western Conference Finals at all and say, do those teams even play the same hockey that the Bruins do? Like other teams, they have young talent, you know, Kale McCarr and, you know, Nathan McKinnon and all these guys. I mean, even Nasim Kadri goes over and is, you know, all world for the Avalanche. And the Bruins are talking about bringing Brack. David Krejci as like the answer to their prayers. I mean, what planet are we on? This team needs a serious to the studs, rebuild, cash in all the chips that you can. You know, I love Marshan, I love Bergeron and all these guys, but they're not going to win anything here. They're they're delusional if they think they're going to make another run. They don't have the depth. They don't have the talent. Like just trade what you can get draft picks, suck for Connor Bedard. Go team Bedard. And, you know, hope that you land them in the lottery or what have you. And just start over because they're not going to build around McAvoy and Swayman and Posternock. Maybe you could probably get a haul for Posternock But like bring back like 30 something year old guys, God, what what are they doing? I'm just so disappointed.
1: You know, I think defensively, they'll be fine with their pairings. They, they've got some talent there. Uh, but, you know, like you're saying, offensively, they need to get younger. They need to get better. And that's the whole question I have with the Sweeney thing. Look, Jim Montgomery, fine. He, he's a respected coach. People think he's a really good coach. Uh, he mm-hmm. had some personal demons and battles that he reportedly has gotten through. So, so good for him. And a lot of people believe he deserves a second chance. And for people, you know, questioning that, let's not forget when Bruce Cassidy was hired, a lot of questions about does he deserve a second chance because some of the stuff that he did when he was a coach, right? There were a lot of there were a lot of talks about how he handled some of the players and so so you know Bruce came in and obviously was the right choice and and proved to people he deserved that that next chance and now he'll go out to Vegas and do what he's got to do and I think he'll be really good of course because I think he's a really good coach but like Montgomery's a players coach and I, I think you get that feel like you said with the DeBrusque stuff and the the Krejci stuff people. Uh, apparently like to play for this guy and he's, he's a little bit softer to the players than Cassidy was. And that's obviously the change there. But you know, when you talk about philosophy, I agree with you, they've got to get younger. They've got to start rebuilding this thing. And look, I, I think Sweeney, he's had his, he's had his strong points. Okay. Like he overall trades, he's done a pretty good job. When you look at all the deals that he's made, he's done a pretty good job. And, and when you look at extensions with guys that, you know, are on the team, some of the deals that he's been able to work, really good team-friendly deals for the most part. So he's done well with that. The one thing that he has consistently swung and missed on for the the most part, they've got like, you know, one or two, you know, highly rated prospects right now is his drafting and and how he handles Mm -hmm. the young talent. And so they're putting all of their trust in this Cam Neely, Don Sweeney front office and saying, we are going to trust these guys to help rebuild this team on the fly. And like you said, do they even want to rebuild the team on the fly? Or, or are they just, let's bring back Krejci and then we're good to go. Uh, and what Krejci's, I don't know, mid thirties. So
0: mm-hmm. we'll see Tim it Thomas takes, busy. Guys.
1: It has, it has not been, it has not been a great off season for the Bruins needless to say. I mean, it, it has not been very good. Uh Marchand's out for six months. McAvoy's out for six months, the firing of Cassidy. Uh, we'll see if they put the pieces together, but uh, man, oh man. It doesn't make you feel great about it. All right, let's move on to the uh, member question of the day. BSJ, 39 on the annual plan, top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro sports teams. Also, you get analysis from Dart, of course, coaches, Film, direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, Greg, members, rightly question why you're not mentioning Brian Dayball, the loss for the Bills, uh, but you always mention Josh McDaniels leaving the Patriots. What's yep. going on with
0: so, you know, at BSJ, you know, we're accountable to our members, um, you know, and I get in there in the comments and I will after reading some of them today and point out absolutely fair criticism um, to point that out. And I'm glad our members did. And we have very smart members and a very smart comment section uh, on our site, you know, for this reason. Um, yeah, they're absolutely right. That is one of the that is one of the big uh, sort of question marks about the Bills is that Brian Dayball is gone. I've for years said that I thought that he propped up Josh Allen a little bit more. I do think that was the case until about the last, you know, six games of last year when I thought Josh McDaniel, uh, Josh Allen matured into an elite quarterback, took the next step. Um, there, there is one big, one big difference though in in Buffalo and New England in terms of succeeding great game planners, great, great play callers, guys who have propped up younger quarterbacks. The Bills are going for, to Ken Dorsey, who has been an understudy for years, has been the quarterback's coach. He has learned under Brian Dayball. And the Patriots are going to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. So, look, I don't know. Ken Dorsey could be terrible. He could, when it comes to play calling, he could, you know, choke and, and just really, be really bad, maybe not a great game planner. But at least I have more confidence. I mean, he's been an offensive coordinator before, uh, you know, college quarterback, University of Miami, um, you know, pro quarterback, uh, understudied a dayball compared to what the Patriots have. I feel better that the Bills at least have a semblance of a transition from one guy to the other, where I think the Patriots are just they're 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 going on faith uh, with two guys who. Have defensive and special teams backgrounds, and i i just think the the Bills have a much better chance of success than the Patriots, and so that's why I didn't mention it, but I should have because it is a
1: question mark. You feel better about the process, pretty much, in Buffalo yep. than the process that unfolded in New England. Doesn't mean it's going to work. No, it doesn't. But we'll see. Uh, he's Greg. I am Nick. Hopefully, all of you had a great, safe, fun Fourth of July. Uh, We will be back next week. Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by betonline.ag. Fastest, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports.